He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. All right, all my Slick Talkers, I have a special surprise for you guys. Super thankful for all the support and everyone tuning in. Uh, I've been doing about three episodes a week now just because I'm so booked out on the show, uh, which is always a good, good thing. So thank you guys for making this possible. I want to treat you guys with something. Um, so I created a little virtual event. It's a Q&A happy hour with me, and I will be inviting some of the past Slick Talk guests. So go ahead and follow the Instagram and Facebook pages for the podcast. Uh, in the show notes of this episode and future episodes, um, I will be putting the link for you to register for the Q&A. It's free, and the first 10 people that sign up today... And whenever you hear this, go sign up now. The first 10 people I'm watching, um, I will buy your drink. Whether it's a coffee, a wine, or a beer, um, I will buy the first 10 people uh, that register today. So go ahead, check out the show notes, click the link that is the Q&A happy hour. And then once you do that, register for the event. It's free. And first 10 people, I will pay for your drink. So go ahead, sign up. I can't wait to meet you guys and for just to be able to talk about hospitality and podcasting and get to know you on a little bit of a deeper level. I figured, you know, 2020 is the year to do this. And so thank you guys and the first 10 people I'm watching. So grab your drinks. Let's go. I never thought that a pandemic could hit. Or I never thought that my refundable rate was all of us, or my non-refundable rate was all of a sudden going to be refundable because someone else said it was. And, and I think people are, are realizing that there are risks that they didn't imagine. Like there are always risks you don't imagine. And so we've had some really good conversations just as, as homeowners and property managers are just thinking about what their risks are. We haven't solved COVID, but yeah, we, yeah. we have um, you know, built a product to get rid of some risks to mitigate other risks. And, um, the thing that I, I really um, just want everyone to keep thinking about is that that you damage deposits, damage waivers, they, they, they solve a problem and they're, they're good. But, but the real problem that needs to be solved is this overall liability. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. All right, everybody, welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. This is another special episode. Like I say, I, I feel like I beat a dead horse when I keep saying it's a special episode, but it really is. I promise, guys. Um, I get to interview and talk with Andrew Bate, the CEO and founder of Safely. So, Andrew, welcome to Slick Talk. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a true pleasure. We've been talking for a little bit and just uh, I think our personalities really uh, align in a lot of areas. And you have a really cool story and a really cool company. You guys are doing amazing things. So, you know, it just makes sense to have you on the number one hospitality podcast, of course. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and there's nothing I love talking about more than vacation home rentals and then how to make them safer. Those are, we, we have great chats. So let's it's like your It's like your oxygen, you know, you live and breathe this stuff. <laughs> right. I love it. 
Well, Andrew, I think um, it's really cool to highlight everyone's origin story, their background, how they got started. And I love yours because you and I have close you know, relations in the hotel world to then shifting into vacation rentals and having a foot in both doors. So I would love to hear just about you. Tell us what's got, you know, what is Andrew's origin? Perfect. Well, let me tell you where we ended up to put this all into, into perspective. So Perfect. at safely.com, our entire mission is to help a homeowner um, rent and feel comfortable to internet strangers who are coming into their house. And, and so, you know, we provide insurance. We'll talk more about that. We, we have the right data so we can predict and then mitigate high risk and bad guests. And so, so that's where we are today, but, but it really started, there were two kind of, uh, two kind of sparks um, way back in the day, but I, I used to be a consultant at McKinsey and Company, the management consulting firm in Atlanta, and I was in the travel practice. And so I got to work with only travel clients. And, and one thing that became really, really clear is that travel companies are really asset heavy and most of their success depends on asset utilization. How do you use this airplane a little bit more efficiently and earn as much revenue as possible? And how do you take this building on a piece of land and earn a free cash flow? Maybe we call it a Hampton Inn, or maybe we build a, a dry cleaning uh, store on there. Like, I don't know, but somehow it's an asset that needs to be utilized. And at the same time, the second spark I had was seeing some really, really smart people buy a second home and then leave it empty for 48 weeks of the year. Because you have to do something right to first buy a first home in our, in our world and then to buy a second home. But then you have to be really, really stupid to leave it empty because it has value. And, and so why, why are these smart people doing it? And, and so I was doing my MBA at London Business School and we had a, an entrepreneurship summer school where you took this idea and then you turn it into, uh, into a, a business model. And uh, we were all over the place, but what came, uh, what, what was really resonated is that homeowners need to trust you, the people staying in their home. And, and that sounds obvious, but, but so many homeowners, they're like, I'll never rent because I don't trust who's staying in my house. At the same time, I asked, well, who does stay there when you're not there? It's like, oh, well, I will let people from my church stay or I'll let friends of my friends stay or I'll let people from my university. I put something in the back of the alumni magazine. So they were letting strangers stay. They're just strangers they trusted. And, and that's when I built um, the first marketplace we had. Uh, we, we launched about a month before Airbnb launched, but it's called Trusted Guests, where the homeowner could define exactly who they wanted to rent to. Like, are you part of the social group I'm in? Are you part of, have you performed and done a good job, you know, for two or three times? Uh, and now, now I'm going to trust you. And, it, but of course, as a lot of you know, building a marketplace is hard. Um, we are going after some aspirational uh, groups, like groups that weren't living paycheck to paycheck, uh, like workplace uh, people, uh, graduates of some really good schools. And so we had problems getting the supply, um, getting a homeowner to get their owner's closet ready and then fix that one thing in the bathroom and buy new, new linens and then list it. And, and usually this home was five hours away from their primary home. So, so the concept was working, but then this still, it, the people, the homeowners weren't like, 
weren't actually doing it. They'd sign up, but they wouldn't list their home. And we didn't have enough money to go all around the country and, and clean, clean their closets and set up their bathrooms. So that's when we, we changed. And, and actually, it, it came from a really, um, a really good conversation I had actually with Carl Shepard, one of the co-founders of, of HomeAway. And, and, you know, of course, we wanted to plug our, you know, like get his advice and see what we could do with, with HomeAway. And he said, Andrew, just, just don't, don't compete against a marketplace. We're pretty big and we're, we're doing fine. And, and then Airbnb at that point, mm-hmm. doing fine. And, and he said, instead, the whole industry needs someone to infuse a little bit more trust into every reservation. And that should be your role. And so November of 2013, we switched from trusted guests to being safely stay at the time, now safely.com. And that's how we got to where we are. Just making every reservation a little bit safer through data, through analytics and through insurance. That's incredible. And it's, it's what I love is just like the, the, I love seeing evolution in the sense of like trusted guests, great idea, but what was really needed was trust and transparency in the industry as a whole through a different outlet. That was still a great idea, but like just kept evolving and getting bigger and bigger. And like, um, I always like to use the analogy, you, you know, you look at hourglass window, it's all these pieces of glass that's put together. Right. So if you focus on one little piece, it's kind of like foggy, not really cool looking. You're like, all right, but this is one piece of glass, but you step back and you get further and further and further, you see the whole picture. And that is like, best like visual describe like des- uh, description I can think of like evolution especially with you guys just sounds like look at one area and then you step back more and more and it just got bigger and bigger when I wish I could be like the the entrepreneurs you read about in tech crunch where it, it was just like so obvious it took like two months and they just <laughs> nailed it. it it's been a it's been a path uh, a lot of a lot of learning we've talked to so many homeowners so many property managers so many service providers and and just every conversation like really builds our understanding of what the need is. And then of course, the bigger we get, the more, the more we can invest in our infrastructure and our products yeah. and, and, and it just, it builds on itself, but it hasn't been the, you know, that tech crunch overnight success. Well, well which is fine. Cause I think a lot of people, uh, I think you have more, you have more sweat equity now, right. Than if like <laughs> The, the, the two month entrepreneur who's like, yep, this is it. We're launching. We got a billion in funding. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. like this is, you have sweat equity as well as I, from our previous chat, you've actually done, you're not an insurance guy. Like you had no insurance background, but you've become licensed in over 32 States. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I am now like, I love insurance. I can never find anyone to talk about insurance with. Like, you're not the popular person at the party if you start talking <laughs> about insurance. And for example, when I get in an Uber and I really don't like talking to strangers, I'll get in and they ask, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I sell insurance. And then I get a quiet ride the whole time. And I, I, I love it. But, um, but really, we, we didn't think we need to get into insurance. We thought trust circles would be enough uh, where a homeowner would trust the guest. Then we thought a background check and and you know, keeping a database of bad guests would be enough. But some people yeah. just want insurance, and accidents do happen. You know, people do get hurt, and the homeowner is liable. The property manager is liable, and so 
there's there's an instrument for that and it's insurance. So we we did get um, really knowledgeable about insurance. We actually went through a TechStars program, uh, uh, the TechStars Accelerator, and it was sponsored by MetLife. So we got to work in MetLife's, um, you know, in their big, not headquarters in New York, but they have another really big office in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, my co-founder, Louie and I, we sat there for three and a half months and we got to talk to people in the cafeteria and in the, the water cooler and learned all about insurance. They set up all the meetings. So we really got to know insurance insurance well. And, and I think that's the right, the right approach because this, you, the risk that happens in a private home being rented mm -hmm. on, these, on these booking platforms is a different kind of risk than has ever been quantified before. So it takes, I think someone new looking at it, at this new type of risk and trying to like figure out how to solve it and protect against it. But it also takes a student of, of insurance and a student of, of the industry. And, and that's what we were for a while. So I think it's the right perspective. Had we been at an insurance company, I think we'd say, oh, that's just too risky. I, I'm scared. I, like, yeah. And the, the market's too small. So we're, we're just not going to mess with it. And instead, um, well, we, we didn't have those constraints. But we did have to learn, like insurance is a very highly regulated uh, yeah. mathematical instrument. And so you, you don't just dabble in insurance, like you really have to know what's going on. No, that's super true. And I, I, I couldn't agree. And I think you said a couple of key things, but you know, the industry itself in vacation rentals, short-term rentals um, has taken off a lot. Obviously the launch of Airbnb and these like new platforms for people to book and stay at, uh, at private homes. Um, and as an industry, hospitality is nothing new. People have been staying at people's houses for hundreds of years. But with the, the medium that we're in now, you know, it's grown so much. When something grows so fast, you need to have liability protection. You need to be able to have trust. And then, again, I think you said something really key was that the private homeowner, you know, trusted circles are great, but they need insurance. And, you know, there are stakeholders in this whole industry. There's a the guest, there's a the manager, and there's a the homeowner. Um, and in order to protect every stakeholder, it's just kind of, like you said, simple, it's insurance and that's what's needed. So I think, yeah, you, you fit all the puzzle pieces together, my friend. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty incredible. Um, Thanks. yeah, so I, I think you, and you've also kind of dabbled in a little bit on risk score. And I want to talk about kind of the aha moments that came in the creation for the safely risk score. Mm -hmm. And for, you know, maybe the audience members that don't know what that is, um, kind of like the overall initial program. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we've been, uh, like I said, we've been live for about five years. May of um, 2015 is when we started going live with our insurance product. It took us two years to build it. And, um, but but we found that we were in a really unique um, position because you know, we get to know the guest at the time of booking. We're doing a background check on them. So we're checking for felonies. We check sex offender lists, but we also just learn about them and we know how they booked that reservation as well. We know arrival and departure date, advanced booking window. We know what booking channel they used. We, we, we see that and we work with the same homes over and over and over. So we know about the home and, and the missing pieces, since we process every single insurance claim, we see every bad stay. And some of our plans have a $0 deductible, some have a $100 deductible, which means we just see everything that happens that's suboptimal. 
whereas if we had a $5,000 deductible, we miss on seeing a lot of things that are bad, but not $5,000 bad. And so we, you know, we've always had a focus on data and we've been able to look at characteristics of that reservation and then see the outcome and build a risk score uh, and then supplement it with other data sources all in a way that's compliant with the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the Fair Housing Act here in the United States uh, and, and be able to like really predict. And we can identify the 14% of guests who are causing 70% of the bad states. So like is the 80-20 rule where, where yeah. 80% of the outcomes are, are due to 20% of the input it's about the same thing. And, and you know, if, if you're managing a home or homes, you're, you know that in general, things are good. And then there's this bad type of, uh, bad type of guest, bad type of booking behavior that really signals that, that this might not be a good stay. Agreed. I totally agree. And there's a lot in, and from the hotel perspective, like from when I was a front desk agent, you know, there's certain things that you can indicate on a reservation and how it came through and mm-hmm. what type of rate it was. And was it a virtual card or no virtual card? Like there's certain yes, things, yes. right? Yeah. So yeah. It, uh, you take that and then you apply it to the same things with, you know, Airbnb, Verbo and booking and Expedia and all these other platforms that bring us reservations for a private home. Um and so it's really just like you said, it's a collection of data. And I think that's really key, important to understand, you know, how this certain stuff works. And so I'm, I'm glad that you, you, you had that, that um, aha moment because it's super, super key for, especially after COVID is all over, um, you know, we're, we're going to see, well, even with, I would say more now with COVID in general, people are trying to just do any type of travel, any right. type of travel. And uh, my good friend, and actually your good friend, and at Noisy, where I was talking about, you know, a crazy party that happened in Miami, where a strip club owner rented a big luxury house, brought his talent and business to that property, and and you know, because they couldn't operate at their normal location. So what happened? You know, some crazy yeah. stuff. So it's it, it's just any excuse to get out, and the the risk is now I think increasing a little bit, um, but. We've also seen a shift with how OTAs are doing security deposits or no security deposits. Um, and so let's kind of talk about how important it is for something like Safely um, when it comes to to the security deposit kind of vanishing from what we've normally seen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is one of the things I love talking about. I think the security deposit, the damage deposit is just the worst instrument that exists for, for security. Uh, there are worse instruments in, in the world, but for yeah. making a vacation home rental, a private home rental safer, the, the damage deposit is awful. Um, number one, it's never for enough, like $500. Like, what's that going to pay for? It's, it's just like two of your, your cushions on your couch and a scratch on the floor, and that's $1,100, $1,200. It's just, yeah. it's not covering enough. It's covering the, the things you can afford to lose, but not covering the things you can't afford to lose. And or, then, maybe your, or maybe your gas or, or housekeeping fees to get things cleaned up to go fix more stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the other problem is it's too much for the guests to pay. So the guests, if they have a $1,500 reservation, they're putting down 30%, 25% of that total amount. So their booking size is bigger. 
And, and that's more friction. It's a lot harder to have $2,000 and it's have $1,500. And often there's one person booking for a whole party. So they're like, I know I'm getting this back, but I'm bringing Mike and Mike is horrible. And now I'm on the line for Mike's kids. And I know Mike's going to sneak his dog in. And, and, and so it's just so much friction in completing a, a reservation and, and the instrument just doesn't do any good. Then you try to take some of the damage deposit from the guest and then they leave a bad review for you. Well, and then you lose some of your pricing power for future, for future uh, guests. And, uh, and then there's an operational challenge. We were talking to one really big um, property manager. They said they have two people who handle the collection and the refund of damage deposits. I mean, they have some good volume, yeah. so it's not like a killer expense, but wouldn't you rather two people to spend time on something useful, something making the guest experience better? So we just have love having a different pot of money. If yeah. something goes wrong, you don't have to go after the guest. You don't have to go after the homeowner. It's just going to be covered. And you don't have to come, uh, come uh, out of pocket yourself as the, if you're a property manager for, the, for that homeowner. Yeah, no, I love how you said that. And so for you know, a lot of people, um, I don't I can't say a lot of people, but some people might be skeptical because this is um, the phrase I've been hearing a lot prior to COVID, right? Is this is how we've been always, this is how we've always done it. This is how it's been. This is how it's going to be. Well, I think COVID really sh shaken that up. And so now people like we've seen, for example, Verbo kind of stepped away from doing security deposits or damage deposits and stuff like this. So the industry is shifting from what we've always done. I think people are, are realizing that there are risks that they didn't imagine. Like there are always risks you don't imagine. And so we've had some really good conversations just as, as homeowners and property managers are just thinking about what their risks are. We haven't solved COVID, but yeah, we, yeah. we have um, you know, built a product to get rid of some risks to mitigate other risks. And um, the thing that I, I really... Um, just want everyone to keep thinking about is that that you damage deposits, damage waivers, they, they, they solve a problem and they're they're good. But but the real problem that needs to be solved is this overall liability and and this liability for a bodily injury or or um, the home burning down or some catastrophic event, which doesn't happen often, but when it does, it like it ruins your business. Mm -hmm. And and then if you're the homeowner, uh, you, you have other assets that are at risk, not just that home, but you might have a retirement plan. You might have you, another house and, and those are just at risk. So, I mean, we have a product that helps with that, but, but really that's the risk that I want more people to focus on and, and be smart about, you know, are you going to abscond that, that, um, that protection to a booking site? And, and uh, again, good parts to the booking site insurance policies but it's not written for you. It's written for them. And it's mm -hmm. written to improve conversions. And, and there are gotchas and gaps in the, in the policy. And you just need a policy you, from your own broker, from us, from, uh, we have some competitors as well. You really need, um, uh, you really need a policy that, that is for you, that protects you and, and that you understand. Yeah. And I love what you said when we had our first chat, you know, so there's no gotchas that we, we pay everything. We got it covered. And I think that's super important to, to really highlight just because 
um, I asked you questions. I kind of grilled you a little bit. I was like, I'm a property manager. I got to ask him, okay, what about eyeliner stains on the pillowcases and all these little things that we don't really highlight? Like, obviously, your property burning down, pretty catastrophic, pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Um, gets the media attention. It gets heard about more. You know, what if something happens like this? But the little things that really, um, as an operator, you know, there's cost to, there's risk there, you know, you have to, if you have to replace five linens in a week because of certain things and, and, you know, all this extra stuff that just was not planned, uh, it was not normal, does not normally happen. Uh, that's where it gets really insane and it adds up. It does add up. Like we're already on thin margins pre COVID. And I think we're, you know, with COVID now we're on thinner margins unless you're in a really good, really, really, really good, like local drive to destination. But I just think it's really important to understand, like there is no gotchas with, with safely, which is what I loved from our initial conversation. Yeah. One, one thing that um, I think is really important to think about is um, you, as you think about an insurance policy, making sure that, that the guest is not the only named insured because there are some policies out there where the guest is insured, which is, which is great. You'd want a guest to be insured mm-hmm. if they come into your house. But then we're seeing about a third of our claims being um, due to guest negligence. Mm-hmm. The problem with insurance um, that only covers one party, the guest, the problem is insurance doesn't cover intentional acts. So if the guest brings 80 people into a two bedroom condo or the guest sneaks her pets in, well, that's absolutely intentional. Yeah. Uh, if they swing on the chandelier, that's intentionally. Like that's not an accident. That's intentional, and and then it becomes not covered because that just is beyond the the public need, the public good, the definition of what insurance is. It doesn't cover intentional stuff. If you want a new chandelier, like go get a new chandelier. <laughs> but so you can't hang on it and destroy it. Like if you want a new yeah. car, you can't just go crash your car file an insurance claim and get a new one, that's insurance mm-hmm. fraud. If it's an accident, then that's what insurance is for. And so yeah. the where a lot of people end up being disappointed in their insurance provider is when it's only the guest who's a named insured, and then the guest is something intentional, and then the claim is denied. And mm-hmm. it should be denied. It just is beyond the scope of that insurance policy that was covered, but it absolutely doesn't cover the need that the homeowner has mm-hmm. or the 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 property manager has, like, they still have to fix that. And it, they weren't invited to the party. They didn't <laughs> sneak the pet in. And so that needs to be covered. And that, that um, I think, is uh, like one of the biggest um, gaps in, in insurance policies that I see. No, that's great. And I love that you brought that up. Um, another kind of, I think it's a good segue because with pre-COVID data and now with COVID time data, um, have you guys seen a difference or a shift in the market when it comes to claims like this? Um, maybe something I, we kind of touched on little things, obviously business are closed. So they've tried to buy, you know, book an Airbnb or Verbo to go run their operation there. But um, yeah. maybe, maybe have you guys seen anything kind of that's pretty key and important to realize right now? Yeah, we've seen a few things. One is, is we've seen, um, there was a period about a three month period from, um, like May until about now, probably about a month ago, where um, the stays were calmer. We were seeing fewer parties, fewer mm. fewer damages that looked like, well, the one you described uh, in, yeah. in Miami, we're seeing fewer of those um, at the time. 
anecdotally, we're hearing stories of COVID parties and people getting together, and that makes sense. But but really, the bulk of the stays were were actually calmer. Fewer families were coming together, so there were fewer people per per home. Um, I think now, especially with Florida like fully opening up, yeah, um, and and then of course, um, once. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Th- when no, my phone good. rings, it goes to my headphone. Yeah. So, so we're seeing, um, you know, first we're seeing calmer stays where, where there are few, p- fewer people you know, in the home. And, and so we're seeing a lot less damage as a result. Uh, but now in the last month and a half, especially with Florida opening up, Georgia's pretty open. Uh, other, other areas are, are open. People are feeling a little bit braver, and they are um, having the more, the larger groups, the more festive trips. Before it was like relaxation trip or get out of town trip. Now it's now it's like I'm back and like it's time to have fun. And yeah. so uh, our claims rate has gone up, especially in the last month, especially in the southeast where where I think things are opening faster. And and so still still you fine, but um, but we are seeing more of the negligence very recently though. Uh, we didn't see the the big parties. I mean, they're happening all the time, but we didn't see them disproportionate uh, to you know, pre-COVID versus post-COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but now we'll start to see it. One thing I have heard though, is the wear and tear has gone way up because mm-hmm. uh, people aren't leaving the home. They're staying yeah. there. So it's like, longer go stays, to the, yeah. right. Go, yeah. yeah, they're longer stays and they're in the home the whole time. They're not going yeah. to the restaurant. It's like, can you just go to the restaurant and like give our kitchen a rest for, <laughs> for just tonight? Um, but they're in the house all the time. So they're using more towels. They're using the sheets more. They're, they're just you, making more mess. And, and sometimes that, that overflows you know, from just wear and tear to a traumatic you know, insurance event. And, and so we're seeing a little bit there, uh, but it's more falling in the wear and tear and the cleaning. Oh yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the, a lot of people pivoted from short-term stays to long-term and then, you know, doing leases one month, three months, five, six, whatever, getting a little, a little creative with how to generate revenue to not, you know, at least break <laughs> even. Right. Um, but yeah, no, that's the, that's the thing is the wear and tear. So yeah, that's, I didn't think about that in the full sense. Cause we're not seeing that with our company. Obviously we're not, we're not seeing extended stays in, in a castle or anything like that, but we're seeing right. you know, the, the frequent, you know, three to five night trips. Um, so I guess another just kind of uh, rapid fire question, what do you see, you know, post COVID obviously, you know, post vaccine or post whatever happens with all of this. Um, do you guys see any kind of new, shifts in the industry when it comes to this insurance, you know, type model and, and claims and even booking behavior, who knows? I, you guys have so much data, I think. Um, and I think, you know, it's super cool that you're utilizing it. So I'm just kind of curious on what, maybe some sneak peeks or your, your thoughts are for, for future stuff. Yeah, I, I have a few thoughts. One is we're seeing private homes, vacation homes, 
become not the alternative accommodation anymore, but like accommodation. This is travel mm-hmm. accommodation. You're not going to the Hampton Inn with the shared spaces and interacting with someone and, and sitting in the in the lobby. Not nearly as much anymore. And I think even post post vaccine, let's say COVID goes away, I still think enough enough people have been um, conditioned to realize that they might want a little bit more space yeah. than before. So I I, I I think home rentals, like especially in the United States, awareness for home rentals still is not nearly as high as in Europe. And I think this experience has given a lot of new people a chance to try a home. And by the way, they like it. Uh, I'd rather have a whole house than yeah. you know, a hotel room, which is a, a box. And if I'm lucky, I get a suite because then they put a sitting chair in there or something like that. Like <laughs> the house is so much better and, and price per person, price per bed is so much better. So I think, I think we're seeing some very permanent uh, shifts um, in terms of homes being good accommodation. I'm really excited about urban uh, rentals. Like I know they're hit, getting hit so hard right now, Yeah. but, but when corporate travel comes back, I think those same trends of I don't want to go to the to the Marriott or to the Hyatt. I want to go to uh, to a place like a, a my own apartment, and and I'm really excited about them. I I yeah I know there's so much um, so much turnover. It's so hard right now. I don't know what that landscape looks like in a year, but I do think that a lot of these trends we're seeing in private homes in the in the vacation destinations are are going to move over to the urban areas. It's just a matter of when. And then the last trend I'm seeing that I'm, I'm also excited about is people are exploring their local area. They're getting in a car and driving for four hours. They're going to yeah. the mountains or to the lake where they've never done that before. Instead, they go to Disney World or Cancun or wherever they go. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're, they're going somewhere local and they're going more often. And so I, I'm also excited about these these small towns that have 2,000, 3,000 people that are on a lake in the mountains that don't have the hotel supply, but they have the, the private home supply and that's where you're going to stay. And yeah. you're finding your favorite place that's drivable and you're going to start going back a few times with your family and explore. We're, we're in Atlanta, explore the yeah. Blue Ridge Mountains, explore Tybee and Savannah and Hilton Head more than more than um, uh, more than you getting on a plane and going to one of the aspirational destinations. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. We just got a, I just got off a recording with Oracle Hospitality, and that's like exactly what we talked about. It's literally oh wow the the um, you know the local the, the the be local stay local that movement prior to COVID. Uh, it was a good movement. It was pushed. It was heavily advocated for, um, but you know there, there was more options. There was more planes, there was cruises, you name it, the, the bigger destination trips. And, and now with that being gone, people are seeing their backyard in a different light and as, as a destination, um, which is really cool. Cause, uh, you take that concept of what makes a destination anyways. Well, it doesn't mean you have to hop on a plane and do all this extra stuff. It really is something that creates an experience that people get to go to and, and to really explore and be adventurous and create memories. And I think, yeah, you're totally right. We're seeing a lot of that. Like I always, people, I live near, near Seattle and everyone's like, Oh, what's the best thing to do in Seattle? I'm like, I have no clue. Cause I don't want to go, <laughs> but now it's like, I have nowhere, no other option really. So now it's time to get, 
get creative and explore the, the area a little bit better. And that, that local movement is now, I think, like you said, it's really going to start working out in a better, better sense for post COVID. Well, Andrew, I got one last question for you before we wrap Please. this up. Okay. Key takeaways for the audience. It could be anything about safely, about travel, about vacation rentals. What are the key takeaways that you think people can grab this episode, listen to it and be like, yes, I'm going to take this right now and I'm going to go apply it. Hmm. Um, I think, I think to me, the most important thing to realize is that when you start renting your home, you're running a business and, and that's different from a personal activity. That's a business. And, and of course, there are all these tools. There's revenue management, there's channel management, there's property management systems, there's you know, so many things, but, but just also realize that a business has risk and, and that you just need to make sure that you're treating the business like a business and not letting it overflow to your personal activities. Like you work so hard for those razor thin margins, as you mentioned, you gotta just like, just know you're running a business and start to put some of those protections in place. Because like, there are lots of little things where you can improve a little bit, get a little more margin here, but it's those catastrophic things where, where you think your personal insurance is going to cover you, you think you're, you're not really liable for whatever reason, and it could just be catastrophic. And so just putting those protections in place and understanding that you're a hotelier, you're a little hotelier. Yeah. Even if you're just doing 15 nights a, a year, you're a, you're a hotelier. Yeah. And, and there are things like responsibilities you have when you are a hotelier, you're like paying taxes and, <laughs> and uh, occupancy taxes, you conforming to local regulations, but also, also the liability you face is a commercial liability. Of course, totally. I love that you said it. Hotelier, that's that's the way to describe your. We're we're not changing hospitality. We're really just doing a new version of it with the same overall aspect. So I love that. It's great. Well, uh, slick talkers. Obviously, like I always say at the end of every episode, all the links, everything we talked about, learning about more about Safely and Andrew and the whole company and what they're doing. It's gonna be in the show notes. Um, I obviously highly encourage you guys talk to them and look at what they're doing and changing the, the space overall. It's really incredible. Uh, Andrew, do you have any final shout outs or thoughts that you'd like to, uh, to say to the listeners? Oh, uh, well, probably just take advantage of this. Like we're seeing occupancy being so high. Um, just take advantage of building relationships with your, with your guests mm-hmm. so, you, so they come right back to you next time. And, and realize that the industry is changing and just try to be proactive and yeah. figure out what makes your, your home, your, your condo, your, your unit, what makes that distinctive and, and how can you really stand out? Uh, because I think we're about to enter a whole new industry. Like it's been great so far. I think it's about to be really great. And so just really double down on the fundamentals and build a, a great value proposition for your guests. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you, Andrew, again for being on the thank show. You my will. Man. Absolutely. Slick Talkers, go ahead and check it out. Uh, safely.com is going to be in the show notes. Look at them, love them, follow them, do all, this, all the great things. Um, thank you, Andrew, and we'll talk again soon. 
Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.